0: Next for the sermon this day is Psalm 136, and so I'd like to invite you to open up in your hymnal to Psalm 136, and we're going to read this together, and you're going to speak the second half of the verse, we're going to speak half verse by half verse. So wherever it says, for his steadfast love endures forever, you say that. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Give thanks to the God of gods. For his love forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. For his love to him who alone does great wonders. For his love forever. To him who by understanding made the heavens. To him who spread out the earth above the waters. His love to him who made the great lights. His love the sun to rule over the day. His love the moon and stars to rule over the night. to him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt love your and brought Israel out from among them love your with a strong hand and an outstretched arm For love your to him who divided the Red Sea in two. And made Israel pass through the midst of it. But overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea. To him who led his people through the wilderness. To him who struck down great kings. And killed mighty kings. For love, Sahon, king of the Amorites. For love, and Og, king of Bashan. For love, and gave their land as a heritage, For love, a heritage to Israel, his servant. It is he who remembered us in our low estate, and rescued us from our foes. He who gives food to all flesh, give thanks to the God of heavens. That is, the, te- that is the, te- the text for the meditation today. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So the very first verse in there, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Giving thanks is not always a very easy thing for us to do not just because we're somewhat inclined to being ungrateful or selfish or anything like that, but also because the world as it is often gives us reasons to not want to give thanks. We look at the world as it is and wonder, how can I be thankful? How many of, have any of you heard people complain Talk about how bad 2016 has been. Aside from the Cubs winning the World Series, a majority, most of the news this year has been pretty tough. Popular celebrities dying was the thing that began it. If you hear some people on the internet, they believe it's when, uh, when David Bowie died is when the year began to go downhill. That was all the way back in January. We had a very tiresome election that still hasn't seemed to stop. And even that Cubs winning the World Series was great for the third largest city in the country. But for the city of Cleveland, their curse lives on. Their curse must have was so strong that it rained out to stop them from winning. And by the way, that happens, to be the, that happens to be one of those cities that got hit pretty hard by the recession. So it was actually a city that could really have used a lift-me-up like that. So what was good for one was not so good for another. On top of that, the things that are going on on the national level, there are those things that go on in our own lives. We know it, we, there are relationships that are breaking apart. Marriages are hanging on by a thread. Marriages that have ended. There are, there are people that we know and love who are sick, who are battling illness. We fear for how long, we fear for their lives the reality of the matter is that there people die there are people who do evil things in this world all of these things makes us at makes it hard for some of many of us and most of us at some point in our lives to be thankful Because our sinful nature wants us to be thinking only on the bad and the evil of this world. It does not want us to be thankful. It does not want us to be content with the world. With God's will. It wants us focused on the problems of the world. So that when we look at the world and say, you know what, it's bad as it is. I have no reason to be grateful, and it gives us excuse to be greedy. How many people you know, when things go bad, find something of the world to fill that grief? Sometimes it might be shopaholics, and I have a feeling a good number of them are going to be out tomorrow night and Friday morning. It might be workaholic, just work your way through the problems of the world. It might be alcoholism. There are many ways we come up to fill it, because we think that there is nothing to hold on to beyond those things. So we ask that question, What is? so the question comes again, Why give thanks unto the Lord if this is the world we have? The reason? We could find it if we we look at our catechism. So I believe in this hymnal, three, yes, I am. Okay, 323, I believe. 322. Going to the first article, the Apostles' Creed. You just kind of can follow along on this. So the first article is, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. What does this mean? I believe that God has made me and all creatures, that he has given me my body and soul, eyes, ears, and all my members. Now if you need to, touch around. See, do you have, any, do you have your eyes still? You have your ears and no flicking anybody's ears to show that they have them. Do you have fingers? Now some of us may have lost a finger at some point or something along that line. We could have even lost a part of one of maybe the hand or an arm. But we still have at least some of those members. My reason. If you're able to listen at any point if any of you were able, either able to wrestle sing the hymn or wrestle through it, which that hymn, you probably all knew the last hymn's tune. But if you say, were able to sing it, you have reason. All my senses, You're t- tomorrow or possibly tonight if you're doing it early, but I have a feeling tomorrow for many of you, many of your senses are going to be really hard at work. So... The minute you taste that turkey or that pie or stuffing or mashed potatoes, whatever it may be, those are those senses that God has given you. And still takes and He still takes care of them. He also gives me clothing and shoes. I don't I see that everyone here has clothing and shoes. You have food and drink. As far as I could tell, nobody's here is completely without food. House and home. Now, hopefully, all of you have a house. If you don't, we as a church have the duty to help you out if you do need that. Wife and children, you may not have that, but you or husband and children. Land. If you have a house in this country, good chance you have some land. Animals, how many of you have pets or livestock of any kind? And all I have, he richly and daily provides me with all that I need to support this body and life. He defends me against all danger and guards and protects me from all evil. And note there, it's not saying every evil that ever happens to you. Rather, all kinds of evil meaning that there are bad things that will befall you. But given the fact that all of us here are more than one second old, God has protected you from so, so many things that could happen to you. You know how many bacteria, how many viruses that you come into contact on a daily basis and the answer no is not to go into a bubble and protect yourself from it because then your immune system gets really junky from, from what I have understand. And then you get sick anyways. So you may become easy, more easily sick. So there are so many ways that you are protected. And I don't know about you, but I've definitely had those moments in my life where you look back on it only a few seconds like, I can't believe I'm still alive. Because if something had had gone, happened a little bit differently, if you had been at a certain spot on the highway only a few minutes later, a few minutes earlier, you would have been in a horrible accident. All the ways that God protects you. And all this he does. He does because you're such awesome people. Nope, not that. He does because you put a lot of money in the offering plate. Nope. Only out of fatherly, divine goodness and mercy. Without any merit or worthiness in me. Right there. There's a starting point of why to give thanks. And that's only, cover, that's only scratching the surface of the very basic things you have. I'm going to bet that all of us have more than that. I mean, for one, there's no mention in here about automobiles because they didn't exist when Luther was around. So we have so, so many things. And the reality is, is that none of us deserve any of it. We deserve to have nothing. And yet, just like when your children are being a little less than uh, desirable, you don't kick them out of the house and say, enough with you, no more food. You might discipline them, and you might give them, send them to bed without food for a night, maybe. But you're not going to send them out forever. Our God has the same kind of mercy on us. Now, what's the first, what is the first chief part of the catechism? What comes before the creed? The Ten Commandments. If you go through the Ten Commandments, you will see all the ways that we fail, all the sins that we commit. Every single one of those sins are broken by us on a regular basis. Even things like you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery. Jesus, we think those, those are two that we're like, oh, I'm off the hook on those two. But you read Jesus' Sermon on the Mount and he puts you right back on the hook. And he says, if you've ever hated your brother or sister, if you ever hated anybody, if you ever said to somebody, you fool, you commit murder with them in your heart. If you ever lust after someone, That is adultery in your heart. And so at the close of the commandments, it says, God threatens to punish all who break these commandments. Therefore, we should fear his wrath and not do anything against him. But he promises grace and every blessing to all who keep these commandments. Therefore, we should also love and trust in him and gladly do what he commands you look at that the close of the commandments is not gospel that's not comforting if you keep the commandments perfectly then you're in good shape if you don't it's God's wrath and guess what all have sinned and fall short to the glory of God and all are deserving of God's wrath So it says in the second article, I believe that Jesus Christ, true God, begotten of the Father from eternity, and also true man, born of the Virgin Mary, is my Lord, who has redeemed me, a lost and condemned person, purchased and won me from all sins, from death, and from the power of the devil. See, in your birth, you, In your sinful nature, you are held captive by the wrath of the devil. You are his meal. He wants to feast on you and destroy you. And our sinful nature makes it so that we are deserving of it. But God became human flesh. And he purchased us, won us, redeemed us. When we were lost and condemned. Not with gold or silver. So in other words, not with money. All, As I've said before, you could take all the money in the world. All the possessions in the world. All of the good works in the world. And throw them into one big pile. And try to contribute it to your salvation. And it will still not be enough. That's why it was not with gold or silver. But with his holy precious blood. And with his innocent suffering and death. With that cross on that moment, almost 2,000 years ago, he purchased you, won you for salvation, that you may be his own and live under him in his kingdom and serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness, just as he has risen from the dead, lives and reigns to all eternity. Now the third article. There's a, One thing, I don't know if you realize this, but we as Lutherans, raise your hand if you've been a lifelong Lutheran. For those of you who raise your hand, you're spoiled. Oh yeah, and I should raise my hand too. We're spoiled. We've grown up on this catechism. And many of you probably remember those confirmation days when like, ah, that book, I hate memorizing it. And so, whenever we get it pulled out, and even right now when I pull it out, like, oh, it's just a catechism. Talk to those people who have not grown up in it and discovered it. And they will tell you it is the most amazing thing they have ever read, aside from the Bible itself. Because it opened up the gospel in ways that they had never seen before. There are many people who are entrenched in churches. That are churches of the law, churches of legalism, telling you about keeping you on the treadmill of trying to be good enough for Christ, to be good enough for salvation, telling you that in order to be saved, first it begins with your decision, it begins with your commitment, and then you have to prove that your decision is genuine. But many of these people, I've heard many stories of them, where they got to the third article of the Creed and they read, I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him. But the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, sanctified and kept me in the true faith. So in other words, what we confess in that first and second article of the creed is not possible without the third article. You cannot believe in Jesus on your own. Our sinful nature is so corrupt that we are enemies of God. We hate God in our sinful nature. There is no one who seeks God, not even one, Paul writes in Romans 3. This is why Jesus says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. He says in, it says in John chapter 1 that we are born not of the decision of man, but by the will of God. Because our will is contrary to God's. Our will is opposed to God's. We hate God. That's why the only way to save us is the Holy Spirit had to go down and take hold of us. There's a, there's a hymn out there that, sadly, some Lutheran churches actually will sing it, which they shouldn't. They know what we believe. The hymn goes, I've de- I have decided to follow Jesus. That's the very first words. As a Lutheran, we could never say that because we did not make the decision. God made that decision. One of my friends, co- my roommate in college, improved on it. And he said, I have decided to be drug kicking and screaming by Jesus. So in other words, if you're being drug, you're not really making a decision. Okay. So the point is, the only way you could be saved is by the gift of the Holy Spirit. He is the one that enables you to say that Jesus is Lord. As Paul says, no one could say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Faith itself is not something you do. Faith is a gift from God. So in order for us to be saved, we are enlightened by the preaching of the gospel. We are enlightened by his gifts, such as the Lord's Supper, the waters of baptism. Gifts that he has given to make it possible for us to believe in Jesus, who gives us salvation, who gives us life. And so it says in the same way, he calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth. Notice it does not say the whole Christian church In the in state of Iowa, not the whole Christian church in the United States, not the whole Christian church in America, in North America, the whole Christian church on Earth. God is our the church is not limited to one country; it is everywhere. Everyone that all of you who are gathered, all of us are united to Christ. By the gift of the Holy Spirit. By what we are confessing right here. And in this Christian church. He daily and richly forgives all my sins. And the sins of all believers. On the last day. He will raise me. And all the dead. And give eternal life to me. And all believers in Christ. All of that. Today or tomorrow when you're sitting down for dinner and you're about to pray, take a moment for silence and just think about how grand that all is. Salvation is the very top of it. But all along, all the many gifts in this world Yes, the world is tough. But we have, th- we have reason to be thankful for the th- there are many good things that are in this world. But even more in that very last, did you hear about that? The rising of the dead? The thankfulness is that on account of our God that when death comes, it is not over. Our bodies will rise gloriously, triumphantly, strong and mighty. That is what God has in store. That is a reason to be thankful because we all know people we miss. And by the way, that church they talk about gathering, he's not just talking about the church that you see. He's also talking about the church That has passed on from this life. So you know at Thanksgiving. You see a lot of family. You haven't seen for a while. When you come up here. They're going to gather at this feast. You know what the Catholics call call the Lord's Supper? Eucharist. You know what Eucharist means? To give thanks. That is the original Thanksgiving feast. There you receive the gifts of God. And there, you are united with everyone that has ever died in the faith. That is where the communion of saints gather. That is a reason to give thanks. In Jesus' name, amen the grace, peace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, keeping the one true faith and the life everlasting. Amen. Please stand as we confess our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed.